When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hi, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined, as always, by the one and only Weston Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. Wes, it's almost here. Packers-Bears week one at Soldier Field in Chicago. Kickoff will be 3.25 p.m. on Sunday afternoon Central Time. And normally when we get to this part of the week and it's week one heading into the season opener, you like to talk about how healthy the team is and how, you know, everybody got through training camp in great shape. And well, well... That's not the case for the Green Bay Packers at one position in particular. And, of course, I'm talking about wide receiver because at the time that we are taping this, which is Thursday morning, at Wednesday's practice, uh, both Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs were out with hamstring injuries. Dontavian Wicks, the rookie fifth-round pick who had missed the back half of training camp with a hamstring injury, he's still on the injury report with that injury, but he was back practicing on a limited basis. But regardless, uh, what the Packers receiving core is going to look like on Sunday afternoon in Chicago is a bit of a question mark right now. It is, Michael, and obviously that was a surprise for a lot of folks. When you go out to practice, you know that Romeo Dobbs has been missing some time with the hamstring, and then you, you you group Watson into that conversation as well. The thing I... Selfishly for them, the even let's say they'd be able to play on Sunday. I just hate that both of those guys who had such good off seasons had put their best foots forward. I think Romeo has been such a consistent presence. You've certainly seen the the dynamic deep threat that Christian Watson provides. You just wanted to be able to see them get out on the field, full go, 100%. Let's see how this all plays out. And unfortunately, even if they're able to play, they're probably going to be somewhat compromised. But it's a difficult, tricky thing for the Green Bay Packers right now because you have to navigate what your plan is going to be and how you're going to go about handling it. The one thing, again, this is a very small silver lining, but this was Wednesday's practice. So it tells you that the Green Bay Packers went into Wednesday knowing, okay, Christian Watson's probably not going to go today. Whenever it happened, probably not going to be out there. So the coaching staff at least has been able to adapt to that, make their adjustments, and put together a plan that can win here for Jordan Love in this young offense. Yeah, and as much as the Packers want to start fast this season, obviously, you want to do everything you can to win the game on Sunday in Chicago. The issue, this issue with Watson, they have to be really careful because we saw what happened last year. He was dealing with a hamstring injury early in the year. Then he got back into action, but then the hamstring cropped up again midway through the game in London, 
and then he was out again for a while. And then in the second half of his rookie season, we obviously saw what Christian Watson brings to this offense. But because of the the on again, off again, you know, dealing with uh, with the hamstring issue last year, we didn't really see um, what everybody was hoping to see from from Christian Watson until uh, until the calendar got much later in the season. So the Packers now have that history. They understand what happened last year. That will all be taken into account in in terms of moving forward here. But um, what this does on Sunday in Chicago is creates an even brighter spotlight than was already going to be on two rookies that we knew were going to be significant parts of this Packers offense with Jordan Love at quarterback. And I'm talking about the two second round picks, Jaden Reed at, at wide receiver, more so slot receiver, most likely, but then uh, also Luke Musgrave at tight end. Um, if uh, if each of those guys was expecting maybe four or five targets from Jordan Love in this game, maybe double that uh, heading into heading into Sunday, we'll just have to see. And the creativity that the Packers coaching staff is going to have to come up with. It isn't when you say targets, it's not just pass targets, right? It's right. end arounds, it's push passes, it's other things that they can do with this offense. Um, you know, how much pony are we going to see with Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon out of the backfield too? What I like about it, though, is both Reed and Musgrave were thrown into the deep end right off the bat. These aren't guys that just sort of crept up and kind of got their way into the starting lineup like a Malik Heath did during the last week of training camp. No. For the most part, they've been running with the ones since day one of the offseason program. They understood what was going to be asked of them. The thing I'm really excited to watch this season, looking specifically at Luke Musgrave, is the tight end in this offense in the Jordan Love era. Very, very small sample size with Jordan Love so far. But he has a knack for finding his tight ends. He had a little bit of a rapport going on with Josiah DeGuara before in the past we've seen. You know, Musgrave gets five receptions during the preseason during his limited amount of work. That the tight end is going to be a focal point of the passing game here. And I think having two guys with Reed and Musgrave that can attack the middle of the field, especially when you get Dobbs and Watson out there, it can be a real catalyst for this unit because you saw the stretch plays. You saw the 19-yard touchdown in the preseason, you know, coming on the crosser like Jaden Reed did. They're going to challenge the eyes and the integrity of opposing secondaries. And watching those two guys work off of each other, I think is going to be really exciting here this first season. Yeah, you mentioned the five reception Musgrave had in the preseason. He was also targeted on some other passes as well. You know, we saw Jordan Love certainly looking to him when he was in there in the preseason games. If Watson and or Dobbs cannot go in this game, you're looking at, a bigger opportunity for Samari Toure, who suddenly, you know, he could be the most experienced wide receiver the Packers have on the field on Sunday. Um, Malik Heath, the undrafted rookie from Mississippi, you know, throw him in there as well. And we'll see what happens with uh, with Dontavian Wicks. He is at least practicing on a limited basis. Um, and he was running with the ones in training camp at times before the hamstring injury cropped up with him. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you know have to do that with everyone you meet? Try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. 
you think he should be required in all interviews to say, look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot? Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard. But All right, so what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. But I was what was interesting to me in going through kind of all the notes and the interviews and, and everything that was going on in the locker room after practice on Wednesday. And then I wrote a story on our website, you know, kind of outlining what's going on at the, at the receiver position is, you know, big crowd gathers around Samari Touré, a bunch of cameras and the questions are firing. And, you know, we've talked about, you know, the poise, the, you know, calm, cool, collected Jordan Love. Samari Touré did not look bothered in one bit by all this attention that was coming his way and what might be a, a big opportunity for him on Sunday. To me, he looks like a young man who has a lot more experience than he actually got as a rookie last year. He looks like he's ready for whatever comes his way on I Sunday. I think people forget that this guy was right along with Christian Watson and Romeo Dobbs in the journey of development last year. Now, he didn't get as many in-game opportunities as his two you know, draft classmates, but he's seen some stuff over his time, and he was a seasoned college athlete. I mean, you look at his time at Montana, he was the go-to guy. And then he ends up at Nebraska. A lot of people wondering, okay, can this FCS kid do anything here? He ends up being their leading receiver. I, I wrote in the offseason, I know you and I have talked about it too, he has succeeded at every level of football he's played, regardless of what people have thought about it. But what the, the you were over in the Malik Heath huddle too. What stands out to me the most, and, and it goes back to something Samori said when I asked him about the, the collective you know group and how they've kind of grown together here is, the, whatever the outside perception is of their inexperience, there isn't that expectation in the room. They look at maybe it's because they all were pretty much star college focal points for their respective teams. Yeah, they've been the guy. They've but been the guy, just not at this level. You but. think Malik Heath is getting nervous about having to play on Sunday? I mean, listen to Malik Heath talk. I mean, this is a guy that has done it at every level, four star recruit. You know, was at Mississippi, Old Miss, Mississippi State. He's ready for it. He's had, you remember talking to him during the final week of camp saying he's talked to Elton Jenkins and Preston Smith about you know, coming to this league and what it takes to succeed. All these guys are ready for it. The biggest challenge is going to be what they're seeing lined up across from them when you see you know, Johnson and these other defensive backs and Eddie Jackson hovering over the back end. Yeah. That's going to be the challenge, winning those opportunities. But in terms of that atmosphere at Chicago, inside Soldier Field, I don't think these guys are wavering at all. Yeah, when I think back to Samari Toure's rookie season, I think of two plays. I think of the I think of that touchdown catch in Buffalo, which actually occurred uh, right in the end zone that was in front of us. Where the one the, we where get the, to see, yeah, the, where the press box was in <laughs> Buffalo that uh, that was right below us there, and then the uh, um, the fourth down catch in Detroit yep. um, that uh, that kept the Packers you know alive for what uh, they were hoping was going to be uh, a game winning scoring drive there at the end he's you know he's had he you know didn't have many but he had some big moments as uh as a rookie and uh and i think he's a young man who will step up to the challenge um i want to get to our keys to victory as we like to do at the end of the week but first a little bit of sponsor business serious xm nfl radio delivers hard-hitting analysis and up-to-the-minute nfl news 
that true football fanatics need 24-7, 365. And at Cousin Subs, we have something for everyone, like our Wisconsin cheese curds, mac and cheese, golden fries, and creamy shakes, all paired with your favorite sub or sub in a bowl, Cousin Subs, 50 years of better. I'm going to break down the fourth wall really quickly here. I'm going to welcome people into our world. On Fridays, occasionally, we get free lunches. It's a real big boom, you know, for me. Yeah. I used to, when I worked at the newspaper, I used to get pizza on election night. But it's neat. On Fridays, we get free lunches every once in a while. Mike, you've worked here now for 15 years. Has there been a greater 17, addition? 17, actually, but who's, so, but who's counting? Who's counting, right? Yeah. I, I think in pension terms, it's yeah. like, well, as long as you hit the pension, you're going to go. As long as you go. get to 15 years, we're good, right? <laughs> but in all your time working here, has there been a better addition to the Friday lunch schedule than Cousin Subs? Hey, I'll I'll take it any I'll take it any time. They can come. They they don't just have to come on Fridays. They can come any day. Any day they want. Ask me. But and again, this is not on the script. I just want to say this. I want to give them credit because there's so many sub places that cater, and they're just like, oh, let's put all these subs together. Just shove them out the door. Best catered sub on the planet. And the best part, they put the condiments on the side. Yeah, I know. I know condiments on the side. I know that's 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 huge. That's huge for you, Wes. You don't you you like to take care of that yourself. Like, yeah. Do you like to eat a sandwich that's been sitting in mayo for two and a half days? No, no. I I I would agree. Can you tell I'm ready for week one? Let's talk to Keys Victory. All right, Keys to Victory, young man. Um, where does I'll let you decide where you want to start. If you want to start on the offensive side or the defensive side for the Packers, what is forefront in your mind as a key to victory for the Packers on Sunday afternoon? Defense, 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 defense. It really is. I mean, you go back to the first game of Matt LaFleur's time here, and he always talks about how this season kind of reminds him of that. Well, how did that season start? It didn't start with Aaron Rodgers throwing for 400 yards and five touchdowns. <laughs> right. It was a knockdown dragout war at Soldier Field between those two teams. And that's what I think it's ultimately going to take. Packers certainly want to score more than 10 points. But I think it's going to come down to this scheme, this defense, and neutralizing Justin Fields the best that they may. Packers have actually had quite a bit of success against Fields. Joe Barry's had some really smart game plans for how they've defended him. But you know that Luke Getze and the coaches over on Chicago side, they're looking at Justin Fields now, year three. What can we do with this kid that we couldn't do? 365 days ago, what right. areas of his game has he grown in that we can make him a viable threat against this defense? Certainly, rushing to contain, I think, is such an integral part of this. You can't get greedy. You can't get out of your gaps because the thing is, the kid's not just fast. He's explosive, too. He's not easy to take down. Yeah. That's going to be the ultimate challenge for Green Bay. Yeah, to me, to me, this, as, as a week one game, and with everything that's been discussed with regards to the Packers' defense, this sets up as a um as a really interesting challenge because we've heard so much we've talked so much about the Packers defense having a more aggressive mentality right that's what we've heard from the players that's what we've heard from Joe Barry but yet in this one this one is the going against a quarterback like Justin Fields this is you know if I can still call somebody like this a non-traditional quarterback in the NFL when you rush for a thousand yards in the NFL exactly 1100 yard rusher for a quarterback that's still that's still non-traditional that's unusual this this is a this isn't about aggression this is about discipline this this game this game is going to be about the discipline of the rush lanes being able to contain him in the pocket I mean just 
just look at the game last year, and it was in December. It was when Justin Fields was starting. Even though the Bears weren't getting wins, you look at Justin Fields' statistics. Statistically, the second half of last year, he was way better than he was in the first half. Things were starting to come around for him and Luke Getze's offense and, and all this. What happened early in the game, he gets loose for a 50-plus yard touchdown run. Later in the game, when the Packers made him throw the football, he threw two interceptions in the fourth quarter. I, you know, and I'm not saying Justin Fields isn't better or things aren't going to change, but that was just last December. You go into this game, that's the formula for beating these guys. You at least have to make Justin Fields prove that he can beat you with his arm before you let him beat you with his legs. And, and in order to do that, it's all about discipline. You, the guys up front, whether it's Preston Smith, Kenny Clark, Rashawn Gary, Lucas Van Ness, whoever it is, they can't be worried about you know how many sacks they're going to be talking about with reporters like after the game. Yep. What they have to be concerned about is how many rushing yards are they going to be talking about that Justin Fields ends up with in this game because I think that's the entire key for Chicago to get a, to get a win. Yeah, and if you think of the preseason, Mike, obviously you ever take all of it with a grain of salt, but think about the the steady pass rush that the Packers ended up having throughout the preseason. Right, they had some pretty good pressure on the opposing quarterback. I think they might have had two sacks. I think Kingsley Inibari's two sacks in that one game were all they had for the. But yeah, yeah. Brenton Cox made this roster based on how he pressured the quarterback, how he collapsed the pocket. That's the big one here. You know, there's going to be opportunities to get sacks. There's going to be opportunities to make your money. Absolutely. But this is one of those where it takes a group, absolutely team oriented thought process in order to succeed against a, a dangerous quarterback like this. Because honestly, Mike, line up the rest of it. I don't know how they'll defend Chicago, but. DJ Moore, really super talented receiver, legitimate number one, lined up against Jair Alexander. I feel okay about that, right? Chase Claypool, lined up against Russell Douglas. You feel fine about it. Darnell Mooney, big matchup inside against Keyshawn Nixon. Devondre Campbell going up against Cole Komet. There's a lot to like in terms of how Green Bay matches up defensively. I agree. But where is the question mark? It's at that quarterback position. It's the one that is normally not accounted for. Are you spying him? Are you watching your edges? What is the plan? The Packers have a plan. Very curious to see how they can go about executing it. Yeah, and the other key defensively in this game for the Packers, and it's always the biggest wild card in week one for any defense, right, is tackling. Yep. And it's not just about tackling Justin Fields when uh, you know when he decides to take off and run and all that kind of stuff, but this Bears offense, they like to throw the ball horizontally. They like to do bubble screens. They like to throw traditional screens. Yep. They like to, uh, you know, throw the checkdowns to the running backs. Those guys who get the ball in some open space, the Packers have to be able to make the tackle. Don't let the miss, don't let miss tackles then rupture into the big plays because that's what that's what the Bears are counting on. That's the the Chicago Bears' biggest highlight from the preseason was a bubble screen that DJ Moore took yep. 80 yards or whatever to the house. Right, it, you have to be able to make tackles on these guys because they are counting on their short, simple plays at some point rupturing into a big one that's going to shift the momentum and get and get things on their side and and tackling is is a huge wild card in week one now the Packers obviously you know played their starters at least a few series here and there in the preseason um so they're going into this week one a little bit differently than they have in previous ones but still 60 70 75 plays whatever it's going to be first game of the season all the tackles that have to be made you never quite know what you're gonna what what you have defensively until you're forced to make those plays when you said all those words there when you talked about the screens that s word i thought of a different s word space 
Yeah. It's all about space. And Luke Getze is a disciple of both Mike McCarthy and Matt LaFleur. He had a taste <laughs> of both worlds. And I think what you've seen with him is understanding who his quarterback is. That's obviously the starting point, but where you build out the offense from the rest of it. There are a lot of parallels. It's a much different offense than what Green Bay runs, but the overall simplification, if you bring it all down to it, it comes down to making guys get the ball in their hands and allow them to make plays. I think that's why DJ Moore is so excited about this opportunity. It's going to put him in a position to make plays. Chase Claypool did not get off to a strong start last year, seeing how he rebounds from that. Darnell Mooney took a step back last year from his breakout year the year before, seeing how he responds to that as well. And Juice Herbert now being the featured guy in the backfield with no more David Montgomery, right. even though they, they were without him several times because of injuries, still he's the guy back there now. What does he do with that opportunity? I just feel like for as much expectation as there is on this Bears team, because honestly, you've got to get off the basement floor with that fan base, there still are a lot of question marks in how it all ultimately comes together. But those type of playmakers, that type of athleticism, you get them open in space. It's easy for us to say, go tackle them, yeah. but it's not always that simple. That's why hats to the ball matter, and that's why integrity matters. Yeah, and you said it, hats to the ball, because it can't just be on one guy to have to make those tackles all the time. It has to be multiple guys getting to the ball so that if a tackle is slipped, there's somebody right there to help clean it up. That's what good defenses do, and that's what uh, that's what we saw the Packers working on, the way they ran drills, the way they did things in, in warm-ups and everything else throughout the pre or throughout training camp in the preseason that's how they did things so now it has to it has to translate into this game in week one getting ready to take on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets real steel Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. On the offensive side for Green Bay, we talked about the injuries, the uncertainty at wide receiver. It certainly um, shifts the uh, uh, the focus, perhaps even you know more so than it would have been already, on how the Packers are going to be able to run the football with Aaron Jones, with A.J. Dillon. Um, you know, you've said it before yourself. Those two running backs can, you know, can be a new quarterback's best friend, yep. right? And uh, um, the Packers like what they have up front with their offensive line. They, you know, we know that Matt LaFleur likes to do a lot of misdirection in the running game and then run play action off of that misdirection stuff. You know, I mean, all, the, all those kinds of things. But the only way that that stuff works is if you can line up and run the ball yep. consistently and efficiently because then everything else works off of that. And given the Packers' situation at wide receiver going into this game, perhaps it's even more paramount that, uh, that this ground game establish uh, what it needs to be. I'm so excited for this offensive line in this game. You know, being able to see David Bakhtiari and Elton Jenkins back together. We saw it at the end of last season, but having that unification there, I, in my opinion, pound for pound, the best left side in the game right now. I, I'm over the moon about what the possibilities can be. You have to go out and earn it. You have to win. You have to be able to run the ball when they know that you're going to be running the ball. But being dominant in the trenches, I think, is going to be important in this game give Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon those opportunities. I thought A.J. Dillon ran the ball really well in the preseason. 
Uh, he even talked about it yesterday in the locker room when we were in there. You know, he, he probably got more preseason reps this year than he's gotten maybe ever thinking that 2020 there was no preseason, right? His rookie season when he yeah. might have been more in line for something like that. So he feels like that was actually good to kind of get that wear and tear on him a little bit and feeling good right now, but being able to at least get some of those bumps in. Yeah, he ran the ball hard. But let's be honest, Mike. We can talk misdirection. We can talk concepts. We can talk scheme, whatever you want to do. There's two things that this boils down to for the Packers offense. Protecting the football and penalties. Matt LaFleur's teams excel in both areas. When they win football games, they win the turnover margin. They play clean football. Staying out of unfavorable situations, that's going to be allow you to keep running the ball, right? Making sure that you don't give up the ball in in favorable situations for your defense. Those are all going to be the keys to this thing. And I feel like if Jordan Love and this scheme, they can go in there. This is going to sound really bad, but punting is not always the worst thing. And I just feel like if Green Bay can control the field position, control the pace of this game, they are the more talented team. It's just making sure you eliminate as many mistakes as possible. Yeah, well, you mentioned the 2019 opener Matt LaFleur's first game as head coach that was at Soldier Field and was that defensive slugfest 10 to 3 was the final score the Packers did just fine protecting the football in that game but that entire game they were behind the sticks offensively it was whether it was uh you know penalties or negative yardage plays or whatever and that's what you have to stay away from because they they only scored 10 points in that game because of a lot of self-inflicted stuff that just they put themselves in positions that were really, really hard to convert. Um, but the defense held up its end to be able to get uh, that win. So, um, you know, Matt LaFleur knows all about that experience in uh, in a week one game at, at Soldier Field, and, uh, and that's what they'll be looking to avoid. For me, the I, I'm I'm curious to see just – you know, you mentioned it earlier, the what's known as the pony package, which is when both A.J. Dillon and Aaron Jones are on the field together. And with the situation now at wide receiver, um, what might we see in the in the creative realm from Matt LaFleur, from offensive coordinator Adam Stenovich, um, with regard to the running backs and how they're used in this game? You know, I guess color me curious as to as to maybe what you know, what might be, you know, pulled out of that grab bag um, as they get ready to play on Sunday, just in case they need something for a little changeup or something for a little spark or whatever offensively. If there is something like that that they're going to go to, I think it's going to involve one of the running backs. Do you see what Atlanta's doing down right, what they're doing this year? No. So they're calling uh, Cordell Patterson a joker now? And, and, and B. John Robinson's the starting running back. Okay. So, but they're given, it's almost kind of a takeoff pony a little bit, but using it more as like the base personnel on a depth chart, so to speak. I, I feel like that's one of the things that Green Bay really can to do, you know, I want to see more of this year is let's get as creative as possible with Aaron Jones. Let's get him catching passes. Let's get him out of the backfield. Let's get him on bubble screens. Let's do all that stuff and have, you know, A.J. Dillon is your prototypical starting running back sure I'm really excited to see what those two guys can do off each other there's gonna be some pre you know pre-snap action motion you know with Reed or with Jones and being able just to challenge the eyes of a defense I think is going to be really important because ultimately that's what it comes down to yes you want to get your best 11 players on the field but it's how can we use 208 pound 5 foot 9 Aaron Jones in 6 foot whatever 247 pound AJ Dillon how can we use this to kind of confuse a defense and give them multiple looks and not sure what they're going to see on any given play that's what I think ultimately can be the biggest thing because whether or not Dobbs and Watson played in this game 
it still comes back to your veteran leadership. And the big thing I've been hitting on, Mike, day after day, you're probably getting sick of me saying it, <laughs> is the Packers have veteran experience where they need it most, in the backfield and on the offensive line. And, and I'm really excited to see what they can do with it. I feel like this could really be a creme de la creme type season for Aaron Jones. Just if he stays healthy, just open the box of tricks. Yeah, and I did a little bit of research in the offseason. If I'm remembering my own statistics right, I believe it's only been five or six times in the Packers' last 30-some games that Bakhtiari and Jenkins have lined up side by side, like just a half dozen times out, of basically out of the last two seasons, like, and, you know, 33, 34 games, whatever it's been. And, uh, and the fact that week one, that's what we're going to yep. see, and, and you hope that you're going to see that on a weekly basis, that's uh, going to be big for this and offense. Tip of the cap to Aaron Rodgers and Christian Watson, all the guys at the end of last season, but I don't think it's a coincidence that that's how Green Bay got on the run late this season, that Bakhtiari and Jenkins were mostly solidified in those two spots. Yeah, all right. Well, with that, we will call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team and all of our coverage of Sunday's week one season opener from Chicago. We will have it all for you on Packers.com. For Wes, I am Mike. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. We will see you next time. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.